to Tabuk, a podcast about banned, censored, and controversial children's books. I'm Adriana. And I'm Maria. So, Maria. Yes, Adriana. <laughs> As we come to the end of 2023, uh, the word of the year, Oxford English Dictionary had Riz. And then Merriam-Webster had authentic as its word of the year. And you can tell which dictionary is cooler. You can tell which dictionary has only boomers working for it and which one has Gen Z and millennials. Okay, now that we've absolutely destroyed (laughs) Merriam-Webster. Let's talk about editing. Let's talk about publishing companies editing children's books that have already been published, making Mm -hmm. changes either as updates or for other reasons. So the example that we've heard about like nonstop was the Roald Dahl edits that Puffin Books in the UK made. They made hundreds of changes to his works. This was in collaboration with a consultancy company. Okay. The actual changes sort of range from understandable, like there's a line in the BFG about how like boys' dreams and girls' dreams are different, and like a boy would hate to get a girl's dream. And so they took that out. I mean, I think they would hate it because they don't have the capacity to understand girls' dreams. Like if a boy... (laughs) dreamt what I dream, his mind would explode. That just sounds really menacing. Actually, all women dream horribly detailed dreams about the future, uh, about the horrors to come. See, they would explode. Men would not be, they would not be able to handle this. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so valid. All right. They also made changes that are just like weird. Mm -hmm. Someone says something darkly, and that was changed to saying something mysteriously. Okay. Saying something darkly is sort of racist, I guess, is what they're saying. I can kind of see the logic of like, okay, we don't want like lightness or darkness to be associated with like goodness or badness in any way. It, it In practice, the way they made the edits, it's just a little, it, it seems very strange. Um, they also took out words like horny and fanny <laughs> and... Queer meaning strange um, to sort of update the language a bit, which again, I think like for me that falls within like understandable if not necessary. I, I love like horny and as in having horns. That's how Roald Dahl uses it. Or, mm. or like rough. Mm. And then he's, and everyone was like, Oh, no. Yeah. We cannot yeah. imply <laughs> that this monster <laughs> was horny. And that brings us to Riz, our other... No. Um, <laughs> so it's also kind of funny because, like, Dahl has one of the most famous edits in children's literature where he originally published Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The, the Oompa Loompas were, like, from Africa. And then he changed it um, with his publisher to them being from, like, a, a made-up land. It's still got, like, racist implications, but it's it's a little more couched behind fantasy. I mean, yes, but these things did happen. Like, 
I feel I feel very strange about the fact that we're just like going back and sort of erasing parts of our history that we don't really like. I feel like pretending it didn't happen is also somehow kind of worse. Yeah. It's weird for me. The, so the the recent edits to Roll Doll were like immediately trashed by pretty much everybody, like across the political spectrum. It was a rare moment of unity. <laughs> people like Margaret Atwood, Salman Rushdie, people who like know about censorship objected to these changes. Politicians in the UK for like probably less pure reasons also objected to them. Okay. To be clear, the original books are still available with Roald Dahl's original text. Um, you can buy them in the UK as the Roald Dahl Classic Collection, or you can choose to buy the updated version. It, it does feel icky to, for like people who are just paid by publishing companies to be able to just like go in and change a book, and then you buy the book and you're not sure what version of the story you're getting. Yeah. Margaret Atwood said... This isn't new. This started a long time ago with the Disneyfication of fairy tales. But, of course, stories for children have been censored long before Disney. Like mm -hmm. The Brothers Grimm, another really prominent example of violence being like immediately cut for children. The Jack Zipes version, which is kind of recent, I think. They've, they've just like re-released it. And it is the sort of original, like the really dark, twisted version of the fairy tales that the Grimm's collected. But like, immediately after that was released originally, they started making changes to subsequent editions to better appeal to the middle class who they thought should be protected from the really heinous violence that fairy tales can offer. Mm. I also think that it's interesting that like now there's this interest in the original fairy tales. Now there is this interest in like the authentic quote unquote to whatever extent the original compilation was authentic. Um that's complicated uh, yeah. because fairy tales have no origin. They're from somewhere we don't actually know. Like it's like when you're a child And you tell your friend a, like, scary story. And then when your friend tells it to someone else, they, like, embellish it and they make it even scarier. And then by the time it comes back to you, it's, like, a completely different thing. So much worse than what you originally <laughs> said. Like, And then she had to dance till her feet bled and then she died. Yeah. And then her ghost, like, killed somebody and, like, dragged their body. And you're like, oh, my God, that was not what I said. But how are we meant to know which one is the original? Like, Yeah, it's, it's a moving target. In modern times, we have this idea of, like, an artist creates a work and it belongs to them and it came from them. And that just does not apply to folktales. Um, it doesn't really apply to anything, honestly, but, <laughs> but let me, let me introduce you to Thomas Boldler. Do you know Thomas Boldler? I do not. Okay. Um, he gave rise to another word, not a word of the year, maybe next year, um, which is boldlerizing or boldlerism, which is basically uh, when you do like a hack job of censoring a text. Oh, so he, 
he did something wrong and people are now using his name as a verb to, yeah. to describe that. Okay, I yeah, get that. I, I yeah. don't think he would be happy um, to have been known. Is he dead? He is dead. Oh, okay. Don't worry. Or worry? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just met him. How can he be dead? His act of censorship was published in 1807. So he's been he's been retired for quite a while. I'll make my peace with this. I'll grieve appropriately. So his book was called The Family Shakespeare, in which nothing is added to the original text, but those words and expressions are omitted, which cannot with propriety be read aloud in a family. So basically, he just went through Shakespeare and took out all the funny, dirty jokes. Also, all of the like religious kind of swearing um, and... Some more, some some more like deep cuts. The Smithsonian Magazine described it as a book that's sort of shaped like Shakespeare, plot-wise, but which is missing key phrases and plot events. So, <laughs> in Hamlet, he had Ophelia drowned by mistake. It wasn't a suicide. Oh. Also, like, not not that much better. Still sad. I don't know. When he, Thomas Boldler, was a kid, his father read out Shakespeare. And as he read, he would omit some of the swearing and some of the more hard stuff for kids to hear. Mm -hmm. And he thought, wouldn't it be nice if I just published a book so that parents didn't have to like do all that work mm -hmm. and it would just be ready for them to read out loud. <laughs> this was also kind of a weird time because um, the, like, the idea of canon and you know, an author owning, like, copyright to their work, for example, like, did not really exist back then. That's a more modern thing. So there were a <laughs> lot of versions of Shakespeare that were being written and just, like, people were just changing things. Like, they changed um, the ending of King Lear to make it happy. Like, so initially, Thomas Boldler's version of Shakespeare was praised for being accurate to the original because again, he didn't add anything. He just censored the, the tough stuff. As like as time passed in his lifetime, Shakespeare became like increasingly cemented as, you know, like the the god of all authors and any changes to the text was seen as like blasphemy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, ironically, because blasphemy was edited out. So yeah, he, he became increasingly controversial, but his books sold really well. They went through multiple editions. And yet, we, we do still use his name today to describe a particular act of censorship. <laughs> Poor guy. He tried. He sure did. I will say, when I was little, my mom bought me two, like, four kids versions of books. It was the only time this happened. She bought me Little Women and... The Little Princess? I don't remember oh, if that's yeah. the name. Mm -hmm. And they were both just, like, censored in the way that sad things didn't happen in them. So, mm -hmm. like, I read Little Women, and then, like, I finished it. I was like, Mom, I finished. And she comes up to me, and she's like, Oh, what did you think about, spoiler alert, what did you think about Beth dying? And I was like, Beth doesn't die. And she's like, oh my Yes, gosh. she does. I was like, no, she's alive. And my mom was like, no, she's not. I was like, mom. And I, I showed her my book. And my mom was like, 
oh, I wouldn't have bought this if I knew Beth didn't die. Like, wow. like, yeah, she was like, that's such an important part of the story. Like, you, you need to know that Beth dies. And I was like, well, she didn't die in my book. Also, and, like, how traumatic. Like, yeah. you thought she was safe. And, and it's really upsetting because then you go around and... Beth is not alive. It's just a lie somebody told you, and it's it's very annoying. So I I I don't think I agree with this like adapting for mm-hmm. children because sad things happen in real life. Like why wouldn't ha- I have been allowed to know that Beth dies? Like there have been a lot of children's books that have been edited over time um another another instance i found Mm -hmm. the hardy boys we've we've heard of those Um, i have because i've been watching a tv show where they mention them a lot and now they keep popping up everywhere and i'm just like what is it is it nancy drew no it's only murders in the building Oh. Which I love, by the way, everyone should watch it. It's so good. Yeah, the Hardy Boys were a series of children's mystery novels. They started um, publication in 1927. Wow. They, they they started out pretty racist. Well, yeah. It was 1927. Yeah. So starting in 1959, uh, the revisions began um, mostly as a result of parents being like, hey, I don't really approve of, you know, black people being depicted as like thugs. And, you know, the thing about the Hardy Boys is that they were ghostwritten. So unlike Roald Dahl or William Shakespeare, there isn't like a author name attached to them. Mm -hmm. So the changes that were made were like huge over time. Like they took out whole chapters. Um, It wasn't just to take out the racism. It was also to make them like more pacey and easier to read. Everyone became more law abiding apparently. So like Uh the Hardy Boys would no longer like speed in their pursuit of a criminal. But like (laughs) even the villains would like respect law enforcement a bit more. I can imagine the car chases being like, Speed up. No, I'm at the speed limit. Well, the villain is as well. (laughs) They're all just going at the same speed. Eternally. (laughs) One of the ghostwriters went public with, like, how much she hated the changes that had been made to the books. But, like, nobody really cared. Like, again, this is a different situation because there wasn't a single author. So... Recently, um, within the last couple of years, there was an announcement that um, six Dr. Seuss books would be not edited, but simply going out of print. Dr. Seuss Enterprises, which owns the copyright, uh-huh. said that they were being retired because they portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. So these are not the six like best-selling books at all. Um and maybe they would have made a different choice if they were, and if they had really had a financial incentive to keep selling them. Um, but they chose not to. They chose not to make the changes. They chose to just like put the books in the vault. So that includes If I Ran the Zoo, 
and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. Scrambled eggs super, you know. I read If I Ran a Sue. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a bestseller. I'm very surprised, actually. One of the pages reads, I'll hunt in the mountains of Zomba Matant with helpers who all wear their eyes at a slant and capture a fine fluffy bird called the Bustard who only eats custard with sauce made of mustard. Um, Oof, yeah, that was you, rough. You may, you, you may have like, noticed oh, a little... No, I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, a, a little bit of uh, problematic racism uh, in inside all the charming rhymes. Ooh, awkward. So I just thought that was an interesting... Yeah, a different approach. And it definitely got, there was some um, resistance. I don't think people were quite as upset about no longer selling the books as they were about editing other books. So I think that's also really interesting because it it feels like a bigger move. I don't know, maybe it's just less sneaky. Yeah, like I think saying, hey, this was wrong and we're just like taking it off Mm -hmm. the shelves is somehow better than just being like oh no we never did that look look this is the new version of the book it never says that like like it it just feels more honest <laughs> yeah more recently so this came out this year there was the revelation that goosebumps had <laughs> been edited and I think that's really funny because it had the same kind of discourse around it as like Roald Dahl and a, f- a fond memory for a lot of like 90s kids, uh, but not like a great work of literature. R.L. Stein famously said that he could write a book in six days. Um, Jealous. <laughs> productive king. <laughs> if you've read the original Goosebumps, you know that there was a lot of like fat shaming, especially. Um, oh yeah I have not I was scared of them I was also not like a big fan again not not huge horror fans but yeah so a lot of the the body shaming some of the violence um that those were changed however R.L. Stein went public to say that he did not approve of these changes these changes happened like an editor just did this and he found out about it like when everyone else did, which I think we can all agree is like not okay. No, that's awkward. If it's true, you know, you make some art, someone comes along and changes it. Not only did the change get made, but people also think that you were responsible for it because you're the author. Inevitably, this got picked up by a lot of right-wing media saying like, oh, Goosebumps is woke now. Um, but, you know, I could see if I were R.L. Stein, I would also be a little annoyed if if this happened without my knowledge, you know? Yeah. One time, my sister broke up with a boy by just, like, telling her friends that they weren't together anymore. And, like, he didn't know. <laughs> and oh, he no. found out, like, a day later. <laughs> like, everyone else knew except him. I feel like this is exactly that yeah. situation. You're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of editing, this comes kind of close to like my personal experience because I have been an editor. Um, And one of the books that I acquired for the US and edited slightly for the US market um, is called The Marvelous Land of Snurks. It actually, it, it owes its existence to, first of all, the author, Veronica Cosentelli, but also the brilliant 
UK editor, publisher extraordinaire, Barry Cunningham, who commissioned it. Um, but it was based on The Marvelous Land of Snurgs, which was published in 1928. And it's a really cool book. It, it has a lot of history because Tolkien read it and used it as part of his inspiration for the concept of the hobbits. However, the original book, first of all, is very, you know, it, it reads like a very old fashioned book and it also like drags a bit. So I thought that this was a really interesting, like other way to do it where you like completely rewrite it, but you also make sure that everybody knows that you have a source. If they're interested in the history, they'll also pick up the original <laughs> book. I'm trying to imagine what book I would do that to. Like, just rewriting <laughs> it in my own version. Mm. Like, just like Twilight. Being like, yes. Just like, make it more like literary? No, no, like... Less? Um, if I wrote Twilight again, like, it mm -hmm. already exists, and I'm rewriting Twilight, mm -hmm. I think... Like, I would have just made Edward have sex in the centuries before he met Bella. And I think he would be a lot less whiny. Like, I, I just th I think that's it. I think that's his problem. God, imagine just like book one and Edward is like well balanced. <laughs> I don't think it, I don't think it would happen. I don't think the plot would progress. He'd just be like, no, thank you, teenage child. <laughs> And then Bella is just like, why? <laughs> and everyone's just like, he doesn't pay attention to anyone. Like, just get over it, dude. <laughs> But then she'd end up with, like, Jacob. I still don't think she would end up with Jacob. I, I love It's like a romance book where there is a paranormal guy. So unappealing. She just ends up with, like, some average dude from high school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. I have... I have a little game for you. Woo! Okay. I'm going to come to you with these passages. Um, these need to be changed, and I want you to guess why. Okay. And if you want to try rewriting them, let me know, and we can, we can compare them to how they were actually rewritten. Okay. Okay. So, in Roald Dahl's Matilda... Mm -hmm. So she's um, she's discovering like her love of reading. She's reading through all the books. Mm -hmm. She went on olden day sailing ships with Joseph Conrad. She went to Africa with Ernest Hemingway and to India with Rudyard Kipling. I think it was changed because none of the authors are native to the parts they're taking her to. Um, it's definitely to do with the authors. Um, <laughs> particularly Kipling, who is just really racist, um, like famously. <laughs> just rewriting it to like reading different books. Like she went to Seattle with <laughs> Stephanie, Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, actually, she went to 19th century estates with Jane Austen. She went to Africa with Ernest Hemingway. He, so he made the cut. And California with John Steinbeck. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about implying that Matilda likes the Grapes of Wrath is actually like a really strong choice and one that I find personally offensive. I think Twilight would have been a better implication. <laughs> yeah, come on, guys. 
Matilda had taste. Here's one you may have heard before. Okay. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. From The Night Before Christmas, by Clement C. Moore. I think it was changed not to promote smoking. You are correct. Ding, ding, ding. It was th- those two lines were just removed from uh, one Canadian version of the books. Okay. Next one. This is from Goosebumps, The Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns. I took the newspaper from Mom and stared at the photos of the four people who had disappeared, three men and one woman. The police are warning people to be very careful, Mom said softly. Walker walked over and took the newspaper from my hands. He studied the photos for a moment. Hey, these people are all fat, he exclaimed. Now we all clustered around the paper and stared at the gray photos. Walker was right. All four people were very overweight. The first one, a bald man in a bulging turtleneck sweater, had at least six chins. (laughs) Well, I think this one is very obvious as to why it was changed. Um, But I find it really funny because it somehow implies that fat people, like, don't exist very often in the world. And it's, like, a shock to see, like, oh, my God, these people are all fat. Like, (laughs) What are the chances? Oh, my God, I've never (laughs) seen a fat person before. And now there's four in one picture. Like, oh, my God. So this is kind of, like, integral to the plot. But all four people were huge uh, is how it was changed to. And... Um, instead of having at least six chins, the first one was at least six foot six. So a little, little nod to the original there. Oh, so they were implying they were tall instead of... How would you know they were very, very tall just from a picture of their faces? Like, what's Is there like a banana to scale? Just like the photographer yeah, is like, like, excuse me. Like, <laughs> like oh, um... We're, you disappeared, but before that, let me take a picture of you next to this, like, ruler so people can know that you're 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. Like, how would you even know? <laughs> uh, goosebumps riddled with plot holes. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I hope this has given you some idea of the <laughs> difficult choices that editors have to make every day. I'm kind of kidding, but also... I just think that... Maybe instead of just focusing so much on books that were written by people over a hundred years ago, I don't even know. Maybe we should start like finding and uplifting new books. That's what I think. What do you think? I agree. I can understand why an editor would want to take away a word or a phrase that they feel doesn't add anything to the plot of a classic book and only serves to make people uncomfortable these days. Um, I can't really fault them for that. But I also mm-hmm. agree that this this whole conversation is so intense, in part because we live in a very like political, polarized environment, but also because we look to like a handful of books more than anything that's coming out today. Maybe opening up publishing to more people of color these days. I think we should encourage that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tempo. Stay authentic. See you next week. See you next week. 
when you come back to listen to us talk about Twilight. Yet again. <laughs> I'm editing that out. <laughs>